0: Chapter Five of The Pirate Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pirate Woman, by Aylward Edward Dingle. Chapter Five. Milo sights a sail. Day broke through a silver haze and as the blue sea unrolled to view far down to the southeast flashed a pearly silver of sail lazily drawing into the coast it was the merest streak of white against the sky and none but milo's sharp eyes could have seen it even at that distance and indistinct though it was in the mist the giant detected the three masts crossing with yards that proclaimed the vessel a full-rigged ship. He gazed long and earnestly to assure himself of the ship's progress, then hurried along the mountain toward the village. He strode with the free stride of a perfect creature, swinging from the hip and covering the ground at a common man's running pace. His vast chest heaved and fell easily and rhythmically, the golden-hued skin rippling and flashing in the rising sunlight. Every line of the limbs and torso was the outward and visible sign of abounding health. The straight black hair falling to his shoulders framed a keen, powerful face of Semitic mold, in which the high brow and calm, fearless eyes belonged rather to one of the blood royal than to a slave. And rightly, too, for Milo, the giant, was of princely line in his own land and his present servitude was an accident that had yet failed to rob him of his birthright of dignity he came abreast of and above the haven where lay the stout sloop and boats of the community and the sounds of noisy industry about the craft brought a frown and a sneer to his face it reminded him too vividly of his actual station and violently dragged him back from the realm of visions he had allowed himself to indulge in. The pirates were busily overhauling their gear, filling water casks, caulking dried-out seams, and sluicing opening decks with copious streams of water, just as they were used to do in the palmy days when Red Yabes kept them gorged with pillage. Milo hurried faster, for he feared they too had sighted his ship, and sprang down to the shore to accost surly Caliban. "'Here, my little old buck, stick your beak into this lad,' screamed Caliban, thrusting forward a brimming horn of wine. The giant declined impatiently, waving a hand toward the activity afoot. "'What, won't drink luck, hey?' cried the dwarf, emptying the horn himself. "'Ain't got the news yet, hey?' news what news can such as thee have that i am not told demanded milo contemptuously caliban scowled viciously at his tone but the giant's hands were strong and the little ruffian loved his warped life he flung down his horn and retorted where to windward are ye this time milo my lad the queen bade us be ready for a lamb headed this way an sure enough there comes a craft now almost in sight from here small fish true but sweet after so long a spell of famine milo knew that the ship he had seen could not possibly have been detected from the village it must be yet another craft and without a word he bounded back up the cliff and scanned the waters closer inshore there sure enough lay a beautiful white schooner, her paint dazzling to the eye, her decks flashing with metal, her canvas faultless in fit and set and whiteness. She was still five miles distant and slowly edging along the coast, as if indifferent to her tardy progress. The giant noted her exact position, then presented himself to Dolores, The girl was luxuriously submitting to the skillful attentions of Pascherette. Her wealth of lustrous hair enveloped her like a veil, rendering almost superfluous the filmy silken robe she had donned. But at the sight of Milo, all her feline contentment fled, and she thrust the maid from her and stood up to receive his report. "'A ship!' she flashed. "'Two, Sultana. The men make ready now. The men!' dolt did i not tell thee to keep such news for me they saw the small vessel while i was beyond the tongue they have not seen the ship i saw nor have i told them it is a great ship lady theirs is but a small poor thing i will see it dolores suddenly remembered the maid whose presence she had ignored pascherette stood apart a small fairy-like french dainty as a golden thistledown. Her full red lips were parted in eager inquisitiveness, and her slim, small body leaned forward, as if to catch every word. But at the sight of her, Dolores burst into knowing merriment, for the girl's eyes told her story. They were fastened in intense, burning adoration, not on the mistress, but on Milo, the giant slave. La, la, chit! dolores cried keep thy black eyes from my property but more weighty matters than a maid's fluttering bosom demanded her attention and she commanded sharply milo summon the men to the council hall at once let none be absent go swiftly milo went and dolores flashed round on pascherette again and thou hussy take this clinging frippery from me and give me my tunic And, mark me, girl, thy eyes and ears belong to me, thy tongue, too. Let that tongue utter one word of what those eyes see, those ears hear, and it shall be plucked from thy pretty mouth with hot pincers. Remember. Dolores put on her tunic and swept out to steal a long look at the white schooner before entering the hall. Into the council hall the pirates came trooping, tarry, wet, soiled with the estuary mud as they were, and stood in a milling mob awaiting speech from Dolores, who entered from the rear and scanned their faces closely. Shuffling feet and whistling breath would not be stilled, even in her presence, for their appetites were already whetted for a victim, and the fumes of previous night's debauch lingered. They glared at the girl and cursed impatiently. Here, commanded Dolores with an imperious gesture, and every sound was muffled, not stilled. Here, my brave jackals, for long ye have hungered for employment fit for the royal corsairs ye are. Now the meal is to hand. The hall reverberated with a clamor that went up. Cutlasses scraped from their scabbards and swished aloft. Bold Spotted Dog snatched out his great horse pistol and blazed into the floor, filling the place with acrid smoke and noise. Dolores's eyes flashed angrily. She governed her fury and went on when the uproar subsided. Your boats are ready, ready and rotting wi idleness, roared Hanglip. And ye purpose wasting powder and shot on some paltry craft of the islands. Wait, my brave lads, I have better game at hand. Now the crowd was hushed in earnest, for none of them saw more than a frolic coming from such a small craft as the schooner. The girl went on to tell them of the big ship that Milo had seen, and she painted it a rich West India man. Loaded to the hatches with rum and powder, gold and jewels, delicate meats, and, with emphasis, which she carefully cloaked, yet made vivid. Dainty ladies, no doubt. Take ye the sloop, then, she commanded, and bring me no tale of failure. Ten miles southwest from the bluff she lies becalmed. Let no man return without tribute for me. Go now. With a whoop the evil ruffians tumbled out, hurling themselves pell-mell down to the shore and splashing out to the boats. Their sloop, a long, beamy, cayman built craft of eighty tons and twelve murderous guns that were cast for a king's ship, could be handled by four men or a hundred. She carried fifty men now, and she sped out of the estuary before the faint breeze with a velocity that spelled certain doom for any square-rigged ship she ever lifted over the horizon dolores watched them go with inscrutable face then commanded milo to attend her in the great chamber pascherette not yet over her fright hovered tremblingly near and her mistress dismissed her with a pacifying pat on the head flinging at the same time a string of pearls around her neck that brought mingled gratitude greed and conceit into her sparkling eyes how stands the schooner now dolores asked when the girl had gone she drifts slowly sultana there is little wind yet she ever comes nearer milo that is my ship breathed Dolores fervidly. I have jewels and silken trash, the richest in my store, which my father told me were taken from such a vessel, a yacht, he called the craft. Tis sailed for pleasure, trade never soils the holds of such craft. Men who sail such a vessel as that which now hovers near us are of the kind which comes such as that. Once more she indicated the laughing cavalier, and now her form and face were filled with surging ambition, strengthened with ardent hope. How goes our sloop? she asked abruptly. Swiftly, but with dying breath of the wind. By noon she will be swinging idly, Sultana. Who of the boldest rascals remain with us? the noisiest dogs have gone sancho remains for stumpy cracked his head last night in a brawl the others here are but cattle the giant uttered the words with bitter scorn then at noon milo we move to secure my ship dolores cried with gleaming eyes set slaves to move out the false point and anchor it a cable length off the true. I will have a plan, then, to lure the schooner on. We must not let her escape, Milo. Pardon, lady, I know a way. And that? I will swim to the schooner and command them to thy presence. Dolores smiled whimsically for she was too wise to be ignorant of the fact that such men as were in that schooner must first be caught before they might be commanded. Yet the giant's plan suggested another to her. "'Hear my plan,' she said. "'That chit, Pasheret, she's a dainty minx. Does she swim? Like a conger, Sultana.' Milo's face lighted warmly. And Dolores shrewdly guessed, then, that the petite octaroon's regard for the giant was not altogether unrequited. Then carry her abreast of the vessel, quickly, and bid her swim out to it. Let her use some of the cunning that is in her pretty little head, and make them wonder what else our island has to offer in dainties. Then, ere evening, I shall have work for thee that shall complete What Pasheret begins. Command the Minx to bring forth all her fascinations and allurements. Nay, friend, have no fear for thy sweetheart. I warrant thee she can care for herself if she will. Go, it is my command. Milo departed, and Dolores went out to the grove, climbed nimbly to the clifftop, and sat down to watch. She had a clear view of the schooner now, winging lazily along three miles away and a mile off shore. The shore, from the point where her rascals were even now towing out a great mass of interlaced trees and foliage planted upon stout logs to form a false point, right along to abreast of the schooner, lay immediately beneath her eye, The blue sea glittered and flashed under the hot sun, unruffled by wind, and only bursting into a long line of creamy foam where it licked the golden sands. The tall palms nodded languorously, their deep green heads faintly chafing like sleeping crickets. The tinkle of the sands came up to her ears like tiny bells dolores followed with her eyes two swiftly moving figures on the shore-path hidden from the ocean by a mass of verdure and she smiled cryptically the giant milo strode on his way like the embodiment of force at his side tripped her glossy black crown barely reaching above his waist her tiny hand hidden completely in his great fist and she kept her bright eyes raised to his great height all the while, satisfied that her little feet should trip, perhaps if only her eyes tripped not from his face. Presently they stopped, and Dolores stood up alertly. There was but a moment's delay while Pashret bound her hair more securely. Then, with a flirting hand wave, the little octoroon darted from Milo, wriggled through the bushes and ran lightly down to the sea. In another moment her small, black head was moving rapidly toward the schooner, her golden skin flashing warmly in the sun as her arms swept over and over in an adept stroke that carried her forward with the speed of a fish. End of chapter 5